thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. Welcome to Open Life. Hope you had a good Pi Day yesterday. Did anybody celebrate Pi Day? Do you know like 314 with Pi? Okay. It was just one of those days, like all of a sudden everybody's talking about celebrating Pi Day. I'm like, what are they talking about? And then I figured out, oh, this is kind of like an educational holiday or something. It was kind of interesting. And uh, tomorrow's free ice cream cone at Dairy Queen Day, and maybe they're just trying to compete with pie. I don't know. So there's your free info today. If you want an ice cream cone, go tomorrow. We'll be there at some point in time uh, because we need it. But welcome. My name is Thad. Uh, I'm going to jump into our series today. We're in the 11th part. Yeah, crazy, of a series walking through the book of Luke. It'll conclude on Labor Day, which is in the fall in September. And we are uh, pumped, though, today. We're in, we're in Luke 12. We're going to start at verse 35. And we're just going verse by verse, which leads us into some interesting text. Today is not an easy teaching, and it took a while to, like, unpack it. So this is going to be fun today. You ready? Uh, here we go. Uh, Luke 12, 35 says, Be dressed ready for service. And keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. I will be good for those, I will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. And truly, I tell you, he will be dressed himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let him, his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter, one of his disciples, asked, Lord, are are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And the Lord answered, who then is faithful and a wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the other servants. It's kind of brutal, right? Both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect, 
and at an hour he is not aware of, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Time out before we read verse 47 and 48. You're going, okay, Thad, wait a second here. Did you just read that Jesus said he was going to cut the, ser- the faithful servant to pieces? Jesus, like we just sang about his unrelenting love that was unstoppable, right? So if there's confusion, that tension is good because we're going to unpack it here in a second. Verse 47, the servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows, but the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. Both are beaten. That stinks, right? And uh, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Hoo-wee. Glad I got this section of Luke. Um, interesting, isn't it? Because you could read that and just go, oh, wow, this does not connect. But in all honesty, this deeply connects. And there's application from this for us in the harshness even of the love. There's good news here. And I think, I think that's what's interesting is when we're just reading through Scripture and we get to a text like this, it's easy for us to go, ooh, ooh as Jimmy Fallon would say, yeah, right? And just leave it alone and go, I'm not going to touch that because that's really awkward. And, and I don't know what it's talking about, and it's confusing, and so we separate ourselves from some very insightful teaching that can help us do better and experience more of life to its full. This is actually, there's actually a lot of good news in here, and so let's look at it at the angle that will help us find good because we're supposed to be proclaimers of good news. That's what the gospel means, the good news. Um, the first point today, and there's only two lessons really, the first one has subpoints, so I stuck with two uh, that I wanted to look at here. It's three parts that we just read, but looking here, you can sum up the first two, or really the whole thing with our first point, and that is we need to be ready to serve, ready to serve. We at Open Life say that, you know, we've got three practices, connecting, serving, and sharing, and we're connecting with people all the time out in community and doing life with one another, and we find ways that we can serve people and just share Jesus through our life and through our, our words. And, and so we find here this instruction, be ready for service, right, from the get-go, right at the top. And uh, it's, we find out it's the master, speaking of like God in the illustration, right, the master's orchestrating this beautiful moment of service that we can partake in. Service is like how we discover more of Jesus. And it's the master orchestrating even the inconveniences of service that we read about here. And there's questions like, are you ready and watchful and waiting to serve? And, and it's our honor to be entrusted with midnight service, as it says in the middle of the night, or at daybreak service, to be able to serve at daybreak. Now, if it's really God orchestrating daybreak service, and the kids, when they wake up early and scream and need assistance, and if it's our reward to serve them, Dana is a better servant than me because I'm not too quick to get out of bed in the morning, you know. When I hear the kids, I'm like, I'm going to pretend not to hear. 
so that Dana will hear. She'll take action. And uh, I just gave away my secret. She's not in here. She's back in kids' ministry serving today, so it's all good. But, you know, it's that reality of, man, there's some action that needs. And do we see that as just something to enrage us and anger us? Is it a burden? Or do we ever look at the service opportunity we have as a blessing and an entrusting relationship we have with God, and that time will go away. Like, we'll, we'll lose that window of service in our kids' lives or in someone's lives. Maybe you're caring for your parents at home, and you'll, that moment goes away of service. One time I was in uh, the Mecca of a bunch of denominational churches, uh, Springfield, Missouri. So I was back in Springfield, Missouri, helping out with this National Youth Leaders event, and, and I, I was in the car with the National Youth Directors of the Assemblies of God. So three just incredible guys driving me around this city, and, and, uh, and it was interesting because a couple of them, they never said that there was a competition, but I just observed a competition in their life, and it was a competition of who could outserve people. Um, they may not have, but I've uh, realized it. But when we were going into a restaurant, you would watch them like try to get the door first for other people. Um, you would watch them try to open doors for people to cars first. Or even one time, we were driving down the middle of a street. And somebody's car was breaking down, and they put their hazards on. And it was like an action film, you know, where the car's still moving, and the door opens, and the guy comes out and, like, pulls his gun. You know, but they didn't pull a gun. They just got out. The car's still moving, run around their doors and start pushing this car. And I was just like, and they were, like, high-fiving each other. And I just never had seen. I was a brand-new Christian, and I had never seen people so willing to serve. And they would say, like, well, he first served us, so we serve others. It's our privilege to serve others. And it wasn't like a quote they memorized and they were trying to live out. They just, it was the byproduct of their life. They served others in weird in every instance. So I tried to emulate that. I was like, this is a great practice. So I was invited by my church at the time where I was serving as just a volunteer youth leader and, uh, and young adult ministry leader. And and they invited me to an Enjoy John Maxwell Leadership Conference about 45 minutes from the church. And, and I, was, I had the privilege of being the van driver, church van driver, you know, got to love it. So I'm driving the church staff there and, and serving them. I feel like, yeah, I'm serving. I'm a driver. Monty, Hip, and Doug Clay would be proud. Those were the two guys that were out serving each other, you know, back in Springfield. So I'm like trying to live up to that example I saw. I'm feeling really good about being a servant, right? All day I serve them. All these pastors end up pairing up with other people or their wives came too, and they like went home in their own car. So here I am driving the van back to the church by my lonesome. I'm on 185th right there in Kirkland, this main drag, right? Just really busy road. And what do I see? Somebody's car breaks down, just like in Springfield. I'm like, I am going to be that servant. And so I I did park the car with my hazards on in like the right-hand lane of the the two lanes of a five-lane road with the middle turn lane, right? This gal's trying to like just coast her car. And, and so I'm like, I'm going to go help. So I pop my hazards on, put it in park, open the door, jump out. And I didn't realize, but when I jumped out, I pushed down with my hand on the automatic lock function of that van. 
I jump out. I close the door. I'm, I help push this gal's car into a gas station. I'm like, you know, now I'm risking my life getting back across the three lanes of traffic, or four lanes really, to my car. And I, I, I grab the door, and I'm like, no. I'm like, you've got, at least the hazards are on. You know, I'm like, you got to be kidding, though. Yeah, here I am causing a traffic backup, and I'm just like, that's what service gets you, you service son of a bitch. I'm just sitting there. It was awful. I felt so embarrassed, and I was just glad nobody else was there to see it that I knew. So I thought. So I, I uh, it was one of those vans with the church name all over it, too. You know, Shoreline Community Church wrecked your traffic today. Hallelujah. You know, so I was, uh, jumped back into the gas station, and I'm like, who do I call? And so they give me some insurance person who says they're going to charge me an arm and a leg to come undo it. And when I come out, I've called like this tow truck company uh, and uh, this dude just like pops up in a hatchback, flips it open, pulls out a Slim Jim out of his thing. He says, what's wrong, bro? I was like, it's locked. He goes, I got you. I'm like, who are you? Don't ask. He walks and hops back in his car. And I'm, I'm like, okay. I jump back in. I drive away. And as I'm leaving, here comes a tow truck with its lights on. And I'm like, yeah. Didn't have to pay for that. But little hero saved me as I was trying to save somebody else. But that's service, right? It's just like, oh, well. I felt good and bad and questioning this whole thing about serving the whole time. But now I just love to serve. Love to be present where there's need and make a difference and an impact and, and, and bring others into that same flow. So there's some lessons we can see here about being ready to serve, characteristics of a ready servant, if you will. And so let's look at four of these. The first is watchful. Jesus teaches us here. He says, the master finds them watching when he comes. And this passage, by the way, before I go deeper, this is really talking about Jesus' return it's really talking about even when uh, uh, he, he throws in like a sentence in the middle of this when he says he's actually going to flip the tables in verse 37 and, and serve you. He's talking about like the supper before, um, the last supper before he is sent to the cross, what we're celebrating in four weeks on Easter, you know. Uh, he's talking about how he's going to wash their feet and serve them. There's all kinds of symbolism in his parables here. Um, when he comes and returns for the saints, it's like he's going to rapture people and all this different stuff. There's all kinds of things happening in history at this time. People, when Luke is writing this and recording the testimonies of people who are telling him this, a lot of commentaries call this person Q. They don't know who was telling him about this occurrence, but this same person shared it with Mark and Matthew when they wrote their Gospels. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so they call him person Q. And person Q, they're like, he tells the story a little different to each disciple. And, and then they record it in their Gospels, sharing Jesus' stories so that we're certain Jesus is the Son of God. And so here, the way this guy shares it and the way Luke paints it. He's painting it for us, those who did not grow up in like this lineage, lineage of Judaism. We grew up just like, you know, we're what we're called Gentiles in the Bible. And so he's really unpacking this for, for us. And so there's leadership principles in the middle of it, as well as this beautiful story of Jesus' return. Today, I want to focus in on the leadership principles because I think those are the most applicable for us today. That said, we're supposed to be watchful. Listen to this passage in the Old Testament. Isaiah 52.8 says, Listen, 
your watchmen, which are people who stood guard on walls to warn of like attack or somebody coming, open the gate, you know, those people that you see in movies. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion. They will see it with their own eyes because their watchmen, their duty was to watch all night in the midnight hour, even at dawn. They were watching to protect their cities. God is anticipating you and I being watchful. We are those that should have open eyes, heads up, looking, because there's opportunities all around us to serve. John 4, 35. I love the English Standard Version translation of it because of its wording, but it says, Do you not say... There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And this is something our generation struggles with, right? We miss a lot of opportunities because we're doing this. Then we have chiropractor problems and I'm just, you know, it's, it's just the reality. We need, to, we need to have moments in our lives where we just look. We lift up our eyes. Because there's all kinds of opportunities around us if we'll just step through them. But it's the watching that helps inspire us. It's also this thing. It's waiting is the next element there. Be in your fill-in. or You might have it already filled in if you're following on your app. Waiting. He says, like servants waiting for their master. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. <laughs> we need to be waiting for the Lord. Psalm 130 says this way, verse 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Huh? Well, if you're the guy that gets the midnight watch, if you're the guy that gets the all-nighter, and you're on the wall, and your, your switch out comes in the morning, more than watchmen in the morning, I wait for the Lord because I'm ready to get off this wall, right? I'm just waiting. I wait more than watchmen. It's the balance of watching as the watchman on the wall, guarding the city, if you will, and it's this mix of holy anticipation, waiting. So watching and waiting. We should go about our day on mission with this holy anticipation that there's opportunities all around us that God is orchestrating, and we just have this cool opportunity to bump into them. People are desperate for hope and peace and love. And you can read about it and hear about it all around us. I pray for my kids when I drive them to school, and I get the opportunity to do that a few times during the week. And, and uh, you know, I always pray for them right before we get to the school and uh, whichever campus it is. And just praying over them, I'll say something very similar every, every day. I'll go, Lord, you know, let them be a great example of your love today. Just let them be a great example. Let them bring hope. Let them serve their teachers. Let them serve their fellow students, their classmates. Because, like, that's what we're supposed to be. 
we're on mission when we wake up. And God's got opportunities all around us if we'll take action. So we're watching, we're waiting. The third thing we should be that makes us a ready servant is faithful. He says it there, right? He says, who then is the faithful and wise manager? Who? Who's the faithful and wise manager? Now, this is risky, right? Because you're hearing with great responsibility comes great accountability. <laughs> this is when it gets a little weird in the text. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 puts it this way. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Or 1 Peter 4, 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. A ready servant needs no special talents or gifts. A ready servant just has to have an instinct to help others faithfully every time, no matter the cost. I mean, a disciple learns how to lay down their lives for the sake of others' lives. From small moments to monumental moments of service. And I think we see these monumental moments of service and go, man, I just don't know what I would do in a moment like that if I would be the one to serve, if I would jump out of the car and like push the other vehicle in the correct way. Would I do that? Well, you would if you simply pick up a piece of garbage and throw it away that somebody else left in the path of another person. Because you start small and that grows into God trusting you with greatness. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. He did not demand to serve before kings. He just became skilled. Repetition. Start small. Result is big. So back to the text. An interesting illustration Jesus gives here, and, and as you really study context of the Scripture, you'd realize when he talks about, okay, so this faithful servant, the master entrusts him to pass out a food allowance. There's like no historical reality to that. And a lot of his parables or teachings are like things that could really happen. And so they'll understand it. The people he was talking to would understand it. This is like in left field a little, like because nobody had the money that was giving out food allowances in, in their time. But it would make sense in the future to the disciples he's teaching it to. Remember, this is why Luke records details like Peter asked, was this for us or for everyone? And then Jesus taught this parable to Peter. And there's a reason, because it becomes very real to Peter. After Jesus resurrected from the grave, he shows himself to a bunch of people and they don't recognize him, and then they do recognize him. One of those occurrences is with Peter. He went back to fishing because he denied Jesus three times and felt guilt and weight and kind of walked away from his life as a disciple of Jesus and was just going back to the way life used to be. So he's, he's out there in the water, and Jesus comes to the shore the same way he called Peter. 
in the first place and says, hey, throw the net off the other side of the boat. They catch this net, and they're like, that's Jesus. He jumps out of the boat. He's so excited. Swims to shore and finds himself in the presence of Jesus. They're eating, and this happens in John 21, 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You, you know that I love you. Just sang the worship song, you know. Jamie led well, and Mandy did awesome. You know, yeah, we, we love you, Jesus, right? So he's saying that. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? Now, you've got to realize, his name used to be Simon. This is Peter, right? Jesus changed his name to Peter. Simon meant blowing reed. What's your name? Blowing reed. That might be a cool name now in Washington. Not blowing weed. It's blowing reed. Anyway, uh, that's free. It was, here is this name, blowing reed. Simon was not his favorite name. Jesus changed his name, and he liked that name because it meant rock, right? And he told Peter at one time, on this rock, I will build my church. So Peter, like, had this promise and then denied Jesus. He's feeling all kinds of shame and guilt. And Jesus calls him by his original name, blowing reed. So Simon, at this point in time, Jesus asks him, do you love me? He says, yes. And he calls him Simon again. You have to imagine his feelings are a bit crushed at this moment. And he answers, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, again, feed my sheep. So go back to this teaching here in Luke, right? When he's saying, I'm going to give you the faithful servant, the trust with all my possessions to put the money and the food in people's possessions so that they can eat. And now all of a sudden this teaching about feeding the sheep. Well, I think Peter got it because he wrote in 1 Peter 5, 2 through 3, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but just eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. That's what Monty and Doug Clay did for me. They were examples of servanthood, right? And I wanted to emulate them. I just missed it by hitting the lock on the van. But anyway, you know, it's just, you know, that's the examples we have to follow. And we see people of service and we go, I want to know the inspiration and I want to serve like that. And I want to do those things. And Peter caught this, and Jesus challenged him on it, and he's like, I'm going to pass it on to others. I challenge you, be servants of God's flock. Just be willing, and God will open the doors. That willingness over and over again is called faithfulness. 
We don't have to be heroes of some extraordinary giftedness. The final quality of being a ready servant is being expectant. The master will come when he does not expect him. He said that twice in this passage in Luke. So obviously he's wanting us to expect him. The challenge here is to live expectant, live as those ready at any moment for the master to return, whether it's at midnight, whether it's in the morning, no matter the consequences, we need to be expectant. We should be faithful, we should be watchful, literally waiting expectantly. And then he mixes in this thought of, man, do you serve like a a hireling or an owner? And, And these teachings are woven throughout Scripture, and owners do stupid things for their stuff. Do you ever watch the news? Like, crazy. In fact, they, they, there are two billion, you know, the illustration he gives is of burglars showing up, and you wouldn't let a burglar come into your house. The owner wouldn't let a burglar come into the house, but a servant might let a burglar come into the house, you know. And there's two million burglaries a year in the United States. I looked it up on the Internet, and the Internet always tells the truth when you Google, right? Anyway, so... Um, I, I was hanging out there going, I was just thinking to myself about the owner versus somebody who's, like, if the babysitter's at the house and a burglar shows up, they're like, sure, take the TV, the Xbox. Man, have an iPad. Dude, it's yours. Here's a MacBook. You know, I mean, that's what, it, but an owner would be like, you ain't taking my stuff. That's my umbrella. You bring it back. You know, and they just do dumb things. They, they, there's now campaigns to help teenagers realize if somebody's going to try to take your phone at gunpoint, let them have your phone. Stuff is stuff, right? But then you hear stories. A couple months ago, a teenager has their phone stolen, jumps on the hood of a car to try to get the phone from the burglar and dies. And so they're, they're like, no, it's stuff. Your life is worth more than a digital device, right? Stuff is stuff. Your life is so much more valuable. By the way, on this subject, I just have to think, Jaden, for last week's message, it was awesome. It lives on in my house because my girls are 12 and they don't have cell phones yet. And he encourages them to have cell phones in his sermon. So, you know, it's the gospel because he preached it. So they come home and they're like, Dad, did you you catch what Jaden said? He said, it's smart to have a phone when you're out and about and uh, we need to get one. I'm like, you have Wi-Fi capable iPods. These are beautiful pieces of technology, you know. Anyway. Thanks, Jaden. That really was an awesome message, and I just appreciate that. No, actually, congratulations too, Jaden. That message is the most listened to message in the last 30 days on our app. So thank you, relatives, for listening. It was awesome. Uh, no, we were having fun with that. But I just like, I was like, I cannot believe this. My girls are asking me for a phone every day and citing our church as the reason. This is a blessed moment. Um. Owners versus hirelings, the servant, the faithful master comes back and finds these guys. Are they just going to give it up or are they going to like fight for what is being robbed from them? Jesus is challenging you and me to live our lives in this community with our heads up, our eyes open, and to see people as they are. 
You know how he sees people? He loves people. He has a passion for people. And he wants us to realize everybody is family. Like, we're all blood. We're all humanity. And if somebody's dying of injustice, we're in on that responsibility. We have to do something. And he wants us to be compelled as those that would take action. And a beautiful story of somebody being compelled for their family happened this week. Watch this video. Man, that news article goes on to say some crazy things and tells a bunch of heroic stories of kids. And they get this like smart guy on there. He's like a doctor dude, right? And he says this about kids and why do some just jump into a moment of heroism? And he said, it seems like some people have just developed an instinct towards being helpful to other people. Developed an instinct towards being helpful to other people people. Jesus is trying to develop that same instinct in us in this teaching today. He wants us to be ready, watching, waiting, faithful to action. These are the challenges we see here, expectancy to act. And what a visible example of the power of right actions and how it makes somebody doing something very natural, a hero, even if they're 8 and 10 years old. Final thought today that's buried right there in those last two verses, with knowledge comes responsibility. Luke was especially concerned with encouraging and warning the Christian leaders among his readers and their responsibility is a serious one as leaders, as, as shepherds of a flock, as Jesus was teaching, right? Being a member of the visible Christian community, Luke was challenging, rather than the true body of Christ, does not guarantee reward, and it did not even guarantee their salvation. He's saying to the religious rulers, hey, just because you are standing in a garage, it does not make you a car. He's like, you have to surrender your life to the gospel, to the reality that Jesus is the Son of God. Not even being a leader in the church can guarantee your salvation. The parable of the soil illustrates this as saying, hey, you can bear good fruit and still some will wither away. In the same way, we can be a leader over God's people and still wind up, in this story, cut to pieces. Okay, Pastor Thad. What's the whole cut to pieces thing about? Because that's awkward to explain to my kids, right? Maybe don't explain it to your kids yet. They may not catch the concept of this illustration. But in the Old Testament, they used to have this practice of a lamb, which they would sacrifice to God, and they would, you know, cut it in half and walk between the pieces and worship to God. And so when God was confronting his people in Jeremiah, he said this in Jeremiah 34, 18. He says, those who have violated my covenant have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before me. I will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walk between its pieces. He was illustrating to those whom were in his audience who knew that passage in Jeremiah, there's consequences to not taking action with your faith. Jeremiah, or James 4.17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. 
So this is the challenge to us, is not only is Jesus saying, hey, let's, let's take action. Jesus is saying, if you don't, it's sin. To sit back and be idle, that's not good. Again, the way he words it, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Will be asked. So are you ready to be asked by God to take on an opportunity? Are you watchful and ready to serve and, and be asked to do something for His glory that would bring glory and awe towards God? While this section of Scripture is, is broad in its teaching and links to the end of time and, and goes all the way back into the Old Testament with some of its quotes and, and, and awkwardness, Jesus is preparing the disciples for more. He's not wanting to put weight on us and, and, and weigh us down going, well, now I have all these practices. I've got to remember to be watchful this week and, and waiting and faithful servant. That's my other person voice. I don't know why it's so high, but anyway, so, you know, so I got to be these things. And, and you get in that position where it's like, oh, I have so much to do this week. That's not his intent. His intent is to say, hey, we have the freedom to do so much. Take the weight off. Together, we're going to do so much. We just have to be ready for it. He's just wanting us to be ready. He's just wanting us to be waiting, not to add a bunch of practices to our lives, but to understand the need for us to take action in the world around us. There are more people to be reached. There are more people that need ministry. You could walk away today with a list of things to do, but that's not the goal. The goal is to walk away today, encourage that God has more opportunities that we could just walk right through the door of and see some amazingly beautiful things occur out in community. Man, the way we have been entrusted with the gospel is amazing. And it's ours to spread the good news. And some of us are going to be held to a higher account than others based on the grace and authority God gives us and whatever roles He puts us in and opportunities He gives us. Acts 20, 28 says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, which of the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I mean, you've got these invites in your worship guide today, and, and you've got a, a prayer card, and those are both for Easter, which is four weeks out, but we want to get that in your hands because we need to be watchful and waiting and expectant of who God are you going to have me pray for whose life needs peace, whose life needs hope, who's just getting kicked when they're down, who's broken. Just like that image of the egg on the front of the flyer that hope can come to through Jesus. You've been now made aware. You've been entrusted with good news. God brought his son to this earth and he walked and taught lessons like this and went faithfully to the grave, the cross, and then the grave, and rose from the dead, giving us the promise of eternal life, that if we would put our faith in Jesus, if we would choose to follow Jesus, we'll have eternal life. It's a message about freedom from shame and condemnation. And so many are awaiting us stepping out and making it known. Final passage, and then we'll pray. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith 
so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Man, may we have a, a servanthood instinct in us, an instinct to help others. May we develop that. May we be ready for more. Whatever it is, God, ask us. We'll walk through that door. And then, God, I'm going to be praying for people that I can make a difference in, that I could share the peace and love of Jesus with. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this opportunity you've allowed us to have by walking through the doors today of Bonnie Lake High School, Open Life. I pray that, God, even through texts like this, which is so deep and hard and there's so much more, we may discover even the hope and good news you've entrusted to us. You bought our ability to share your love to others with your blood. It's uncomprehendable, but yet you've entrusted us with so much. And with great responsibility comes great reward, but also accountability. So God, I pray that you would give us the strength to be active in our faith. You would give us eyes that would see, watching, waiting, faithful, expectant. We would be ready servants, an example of exactly that in our community. May we love the opportunities you open to us that we see this week to serve others. Maybe it's with an invitation to Easter. Maybe it's going to be with a word of encouragement, a text, or an email. However you put us into motion this week, may we be expectant for it and ready. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.